Aloha, I'm Marcia Sortino. Welcome to Pay Radio, talk radio worth listening to. To all our regular listeners, thank you for coming back. To all our new listeners, congratulations. You just discovered one of the most powerful talk radio shows there is. As we get ready for this class, I suggest you find something to take notes with. Every show is packed with all sorts of inspiring, insightful ideas, ahas, and breakthroughs. While you find some paper and a pen, I wonder, how many people do you know are paid to learn, then paid to teach what they learn? I'll put that another way. I'm both a student and a teacher of Pay Me What I'm Worth. By the time I complete my class as a student, the money I'm paid to teach Pay Me What I'm Worth will cover what I paid Seoul University, and then some. At the end of our class, I'll tell you how to become a paid student and teacher for this life-changing journey. It's time to meet my class. We decided to be collectively known as Team Seekers. Here they are. This is Cindy Ashline from Slingerlands, New York. Thank you for joining us on our radio show. I hope that you will be inspired by what you hear today. Hey, everybody. Green Mays, and I am from Latrobe, Pennsylvania. This is David H. Paul from St. Cloud, Minnesota. Hello, Chris Peters, and I'm from Brandon, Manitoba, Canada. Rick and I live in Hawaii. Aloha. Aloha. This is Cheryl from Hawaii. And finally, Aloha. Soul here, author of Pay Me What I'm Worth and Marsha's co-pilot on this journey. I hope we've given you enough time to grab a pad of paper and a pen to take notes. Our class starts now. Miss Marsha, steps one through three of You Get What You Pay For. Have you noticed that this book seems to throw out some pretty common phrases like, Pay me what I'm worth. And you get what you pay for. Sounds like a whiny little chap, I tell you. I'm curious, as you're reading Chapter 6, as you're getting into Exercise 21, where we're doing Steps 1 through 3, getting everything ready, getting our laundry ready, what are some of the initial reflections? Boy, some stuff. My guilt button kind of got pressed a lot. That I perceive that I've had several situations where I felt like, what I gave didn't equal what I got paid for. That came up. That was a big surprise for me. But then I go back and I look at it. There's a certain pattern going on there. That pattern came up several times, and I could go way back on my timeline. Oh, <laughs> like when it started. And, oh, it was there. That guilt button, that piece of laundry, mm, those colors, yeah, they're pretty stinky. Yeah. So... <laughs> So that definitely came up. I noticed another one for me, a big one, is in the lights pile, is pressure spending. Like, oh, shit, I forgot about that bill, and now this happened. Now it's gone from, oh, this is easy, to, we've got to take care of this right now. And it becomes like a crisis. That's been a major pattern. What's interesting, though, I've noticed that particular pattern stopped happening as much. It really had stopped happening for me in my personal life. Just recently when I moved, like three years ago, it stopped. And I was conscious of how to stop it. 
There was also a conscious decision that those I surrounded myself with knew I stopped doing crisis spending. They knew Mm. I stopped falling into the rut of, you have a crisis, I'm going to save you. Yeah, no. Mm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So far, those were the biggies. Cool. Once again, you're looking at that timeline and you're going, damn, I could put four more lines on that timeline. If you strung out like a line across all of the years (laughs) where doubt peaked and doubt plummeted and then doubt peaked again and then doubt and then Uh shame and then guilt and then, hmm. Uh, (laughs) That darn guilt. Oh, boy. (laughs) Yeah. And have you noticed how, David, the lights, the real simple things, they start so subtly don't they? Well, yeah. It doesn't seem like any big deal. Like, oh, life seems to be going okay. and then... Well, like, for example, we've talked about worth decay, and I've always given the example that worth decay is very much like tooth decay. Tooth decay generally starts when we're completely unaware of it. And then from time to time, a tooth might act up a little bit. Maybe there was some ice cream. Maybe there was some hot tea. Maybe there was something, and one particular tooth goes, hello, and you think, oh, what's that all about? But because I'm busy, because I don't have enough time, because I don't have enough money, whatever, and it goes away, and then one morning you wake up and go, oh, yeah, that actually happened last week. I had the aha moment about five minutes after. Talk about not wanting to go back and listen to that recording. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Last week, Marsha was asking some questions, and I took them really personally. I thought, well, who the hell are you? And I had this whole thing going on. It was really interesting because when I stepped back away, and I was like, what was that? Who was that? Now, looking at, in today, sitting down with steps one through three, I'm asking myself, okay, give me what I'm worth. I'm paying for this. What am I getting out of it? What value am I getting out? And it's all mine. It's all on me. The whole thing is on me. So if I'm having this experience of that question offends me, it's like, well, who is that on? Whose value Mm -hmm. is that? Oh, it's mine. Oh, my gosh. Mm -hmm. So before we even got to this chapter, my thoughts were, I could be getting a heck of a lot more value out of my experience here with this course. Who is responsible for that? Yeah, I'm 100% responsible for that. What was interesting was that literally moments later, I had an opportunity to explore something that was diary stuff and really needed to get into my blog. That's a perfect spot to write this and to convey this and to get feedback on it. This notion of this worth cycle occurred there where all came together <laughs> because of noticing my own behavior first and going, ew, I don't like how that, I don't oh, like that. yes. I don't like all that right. guy. <laughs> yeah. Fine-tuning that awareness button. Like the old days. I'm old enough to remember the TV sets. Sometimes you had to fiddle with the fine-tuner because the ghosting of things, you got to position the antenna and fine-tune it so the ghost disappears. You remember those days? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
This chapter is a beginning of a polishing, and we're going to get into more of that as we unfold. So thank you, David. I appreciate the insights that you're giving us that you're beginning to become more aware that you're becoming more aware, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Observing the observer. Whoa. <laughs> Holy and cow. we're going to make sure that, like, it's easy to take that magnifying glass, if the magnifying glass is focusing the sun on one particular spot for too long, not a good thing. It can burn. So we want to make sure we temper as we're getting more aware of being more aware of ourselves, that that analyzer is going to want to have a field day and that explorer is going, hello, hello, hey, over here. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Cheryl, I remember your blog post. Thank you for that. You were saying that because you've been spot treating your laundry all along, you didn't find all that much. I used to do the impulse buying and do a lot of buying around the Christmas time and stuff for more people than what I needed to. With a limited income and everything, I've really had to cut that back. We don't even hardly do it anymore. I've never been a like a competitive person or anything, so keeping up with the Joneses wasn't a problem. I didn't spend too much there. I don't know, I think 15 years ago, we moved down to Florida and we started getting behind on our credit cards and everything. So at that time, we just dropped them. So we've been credit card less for about 15 years. If we need something, if we want something, we save for it and then get it. Or we just don't get it until we can afford it. Done a lot of cleaning out that way and everything. So you've taken the trash out regularly. I mean, when we think of laundry, very often the old wisdom, if something gets heavily stained, we should take care of that stain at least before we have to do the actual laundry and pre-treat it. If we don't, it sets in. And when it comes to our notion of respect, when it comes to our notion of reputation, this is another type of laundry we're looking at. I can soil my reputation because I may disrespect someone. Yeah? Yeah. 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 So part of this chapter is also looking at the non-financial. It's looking at where did I stuff and stuff and stuff and stuff something because I thought it was appropriate to stuff and stuff and stuff something. And then eventually the handle of the grenade gets pulled Something gets said, something may not have happened, and kaboom! (laughs) I just all over everybody and everything. (laughs) What I'm hearing you say, Cheryl, is you don't stuff it. When stuff happens, you deal with it. Is that accurate? I'd say that, yeah. It's just going to come back and bite you if you stuff it someplace. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Has that been part of your nature all along, or was that something that kicked in at some point? I think that's probably been pretty much the way I've always been. I don't really sweep a whole lot of stuff under the carpet to tend to later. There's no carpet to sweep under here. Yeah. Her family was that way. They didn't talk about issues. Again, look at where my beliefs and where my conditioning is coming from. 
as I looked at it, I realized that since I was small, basically I had reality shoved down my throat. I wasn't really taught to be an individual. I was molded and taught to be a little like slave in society. I was taught to think a certain way. I was taught, oh, if a master said something, that must be a very profound statement. Piss on that, I say. <laughs> That's what came up for me, that us guys, the people that are on this call, the people that are being themselves and are growing and stuff like that, we are the masters. And the people that have left pages of things that we've never met, don't know, may not be even accurate of the sayings that they're trying to make us believe, that really came up for me, that I am my own truth. I just want to strip away all the crap. Every time I get in any chapter in this book, I just go, oh, man. I want to start over and strip all down all the conditioning I've had since I was a little boy, since I was like four years old. Bingo. So it keeps me looping like that for some reason. Well, that's where a lot of this gets installed. Marsha, one of the things that you constantly bring to the table that I so appreciate is how you, you have those aha moments where you go, holy crap, this happened to me decades ago and it's still happening to me. No more. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Perfect. So, Rick, I'm glad you went back a little further. You really do need to because the roots of a lot of what we're doing, the way we're conditioned, oh, if a teacher says it, it must be truth. Uh-huh. I can guarantee you I've been a hemorrhoid in more than one, quote, guru's life, unquote. So... <laughs> <laughs> I think that should have been my middle name, Hamroid. Yeah. Because <laughs> I, I there's people, David Paul, he speaks the truth. Marsha, she speaks her truth. Soul speaks his truth. I can name the people that I know in my life that speak. Chris, he speaks his own truth. See, those people are Thanks, masters, buddy. no matter what anyone <laughs> wants to tell you. But someone that speaks their own stuff, even if they're wrong. It's their truth to them. Yeah, it's their truth yep. to them. And they're willing to stand up there and you know, speak it. I respect that. Me too. I know that I have got to be careful of where I expend my energy. i got to okay. be careful of where I'm putting that energy so that I'm not getting ripped off. I want every interaction I have to be worth my time. I find that when I went back about six months, I looked at myself, how critical I was. Mm. That's changed a lot. When I catch myself in my old habits, I now stop myself and go, what is this accomplishing? I'm just being the same person, and I catch myself a lot more. Like Rick was saying, I'm not going to be like anyone else but me. I'm not going to apologize if I'm not doing anything wrong. If I'm myself, I don't want to listen to limitation thinking and limited thinking and lack thinking. I don't want to listen to that anymore. I know that I'm paying for it when I do because then I start time. to go um, and I ponder it and I'm like, I shouldn't even be thinking about this. Go Remember ahead. what you just said when we get into chapter seven, you're already getting the nuance of chapter seven involved in this pricing the priceless. You're beginning to get aware of the cost of stinking thinking, right? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. 
Now, let's take this a little deeper, if you don't mind. Sure. When you start having the negative chatter inside your own head, because the chaos committee has gone, party! Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, it, it was alive The perfectionist well. creeps out. Yep. The perfectionist creeps out. The judge creeps out. You're playing or you're doing something, and it's like, no, 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 that's not right. Now what? Oh, I don't know yet. I'm going to find out. Marsha, one of the things that I've so enjoyed, you co-piloting team seekers, is your constant reminders to us to get our explorers back online, right? (laughs) Yes, yes, absolutely. Because as you were going through this yourself the first time, did you notice that tug of war between your analyzer and your explorer? Did you notice that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was trying to figure out, well, now, how do I know if it's my explorer talking that I'm listening to or if it is my analyzer? that I'm listening to. How do I know that? It was funny because I know now it is the analyzer that is my ego. It's Mm -hmm. when my ego starts talking to me and makes me feel guilt, that doubt, that shame, all that. Also, I feel there's a softness. I feel softer inside. I feel strong outside, but I feel softer inside as well. I don't know how to explain that. I guess because I feel more gentle with myself now. So is it fair to say, Marsha, that you know your analyzer's talking when you hear the voices of your chaos committee, meaning you're judging something right or wrong, good or bad, in or out, late, early. There's a judgment involved in it. So you know... The analyzer is going, hello, hello, or it's the perfectionist, or it's the critic. Oh, you could have done that better, right? Right, exactly. So you know now what that analyzer sounds like, and you can stop it in its tracks by giving it a big hug and go, where are we going with this, sweetheart? And the analyzer goes, oh, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I can really tell the difference when I'm hearing my ego versus hearing the divine person inside of me. I feel that difference, and I can tell who's doing the talking here. It's like that picture of the angel on one shoulder and the little devil on the other shoulder. Which one am I listening to here? (laughs) I'm aware of it. I recognize it now. When I look at this chapter, what goes around comes around. What that means to me is how I treat other people is how I will treat myself. I also choose to treat someone in the way that I would like to be treated. It just tells it all to me in that one simple sentence. Or else I am ready to receive my karma. If not. (laughs) (laughs) And times ten. I've told many a soul, if I'm silly enough to judge someone else, I've made this little visualization in my mind that if I decide to judge anyone else for any reason, 
I am literally opening up the door to a thousand other people to come screaming out their collective doors and start judging me. And as soon as I envision a thousand people rushing out their doors, that stops me dead in the tracks every time. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Because, Rick, you were saying about speaking your truth, and one of the things that's really interesting about speaking your truth, who am I to judge anyone's truth? Yeah? I like that. Oh, man. I could talk I, about that for hours. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Seriously. But, you could yeah, be telling me an absolute lie, but if in your mind you believe it's true, I don't know what led you to get there. So how yep. could I begin to tell you what you're saying is false? Exactly. Right? Yep. We live in a world where we're trained to believe in third-party perspective more than our own perception, and that is bullshit. And Thank that's you, messing Bill. people up. Yep. you got to take responsibility Dream. for your own. I took a look at some of my laundry while I was doing found something interesting since I was coming from an analytical point of view a lot of times, a very scientific point of view sometimes. I had the laundry issue of trying to control certain situations to try and make them perfect. And I saw this when I was practicing my speech constantly. I just couldn't get it down for this competition, and I saw that when I was interacting with family members and friends and sometimes my girlfriend even, I just wanted to create the perfect scenario. I can't sometimes, then I get upset. It's a lot of wasted energy that I'm using because I'm trying to create scenarios that I don't necessarily have control over sometimes, and it's better to just free flow with the situations than try and say, I'm going to say the perfect thing at this time. I'm going to say the right thing at this time. I'm going to do the right thing at this time. And just kind of let go and let life happen instead of trying to hold on all the time. (laughs) That is the sound of clapter. (laughs) Because, Kareem, have you noticed the paradox? Have you noticed, Kareem, that when the perfectionist gets involved and it's trying to do whatever it is that it thinks it needs to do, it prevents exactly what it's trying to accomplish? Follow? Yes. That's the crazy part coming from my idea (laughs) of, oh, if I apply the right formula, if I apply the right set of steps, if I apply the right set of words, if I say this at this time, it'll work great. Instead of just saying I'm going to kind of free fall like with my music and then whatever happens in the interaction is what happens. I don't have to worry about did I do this right? Should I have done it right? Should I have done things this way? Because it's a lot of wasted energy. Well, I'm glad we have found the one remaining person on the planet, Marsha, that's struggling with their perfectionist. Thank goodness. <laughs> the one remaining. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I could taste sarcasm, soul. I could taste it. Killing me. I could Killing taste me. Killing me. 
I mean, yes. I know that David H. Paul, for example, David H. Paul has never in his life ever dealt with that inner perfectionist voice. No, not David. <laughs> oh, I've run out of fingers, toes, a couple dozen times over. The number of times I have, quote unquote, mind fucked myself right into doing nothing. Think about it, ladies and gentlemen. Where did we pick up the concept of perfection such that? Think about this. Let's zip back to some of the earliest days of our youth and how society, how family, how other people prize you. They give you prizes for being the best, right? Right. Only the people who are the best get the trophies and the medals and the attention and the awards, right? We're taught to be competitive. What are we doing there? Right? Aren't we feeding the perfectionist? Aren't we going, that perfectionist is going, ooh, ooh, me, 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 me. So then (laughs) we start doubling down, don't we? And it's oh so slippery that we don't even know we're doing it. That's the expectations trap. Ladies and gentlemen, page 116, the expectations trap. How many times has the expectations trap snapped for you? When was the last time you expected something and didn't get it? Oh, my. I think I came up with expectations in this perfectionist thing because I was around a lot of people, namely family members, some friends, that have the same mindset, and it's not hard to see where it might have come from because a lot of those people are very, I wouldn't say they're overly necessarily analytical, but a lot of them try and let's use a scientific approach and we can solve everything. So what happens when we cut loose our explorer? What happens when we give our explorer 100% authority to let all expectations fade because we don't know what's going to happen, right? Right. This notion just came up. I just imagined myself later on tonight, I've got a show to do, and the show has a structure and da-da-da-da-da. It's the structure I created. How much fun would it be to get on there and just say, well, hi, guys. So we're on recording. What do you want to talk about? Bingo. And see what comes up. Yeah. Bingo. Marsha, have you yet picked up one of my methods of my madness? Is I've picked up a lot I of methods go. of your madness. <laughs> Have you noticed, ladies and gentlemen, I am completely detached from whatever happens with you or for you in this journey? Have you noticed that whatever happens for you is yet a stepping stone to something else? Have you noticed that? Yes. How many programs have you all entertained where the person leading the program has a specific outcome? And that outcome, if you don't get to that outcome, you're either a failure or you're a success. Mm. 
Oh, boy. Wait, Sol, you don't want to make this amount of money in X amount of weeks? Come on, man. (laughs) (laughs) That limits it. What happens if the universe has it designed five people out of the blue tomorrow call me up and I net profit $2.5 million because of the contracts we signed? But I only had a goal of making $500 tomorrow. But now I've made $2.5 million. Well, now I really screwed it up, didn't I? (laughs) Have you figured out, ladies and gentlemen, that Chapter 6 is getting you ready to release all the old programming so that this programming that's running in the background, all this malware, all these viruses, all these forms of believing and thinking that you get to pull them up and look at them and go, hmm, is this working for me? (laughs) (laughs) Marsha, as you take a look at where you've been and where you are, and you've rediscovered your explorer, does it feel like the world has been lifted off your shoulders? Oh, absolutely. There was so much on my shoulder. I didn't even realize how much of what I was carrying around was really affecting me. It was like I tucked it in this heavy bag, tried to put the bag down, but it was just like stuck on my shoulder, honestly. I think what happened was that timeline was just the perfect way for me to actually see what it is that I was carrying. Why am I carrying all this? I've been carrying it around for way too long, and I don't need to do that anymore. What for? But you didn't know how heavy it was until you had gained a perspective. True? Exactly. Ladies and gentlemen, what's one of the more insidious things about stress? It's incremental, isn't it? Yes. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, Chapter 6 is helping you look at your traditions. Traditions of all shapes and sizes and flavors, norms, habits, routines, Now, we teased a few of them out in the timeline, didn't we? Now we're going for the more subtle ones. What are those habits that have become the tapestry, the wallpaper? When did we put up the wallpaper? And what's behind the wallpaper? (laughs) (laughs) So as you get prepared for the next couple of steps, these step four And step five, please take your time with them. Really let them marinate with you. The art of forgiveness. Marsha, we kind of blew you out of the water when we got to this stage in Team Clarity, didn't we? Oh, yes. I was so happy. (laughs) I was almost shocked, but at the same time, I was really happy to hear it. I was amazed at how I did not see that from the start because I had taken a long journey with what I had done to myself and my part in all the mistakes that I created. I did take a look at that. 
it took me a long, long while because nobody told me this before. That was the first time for me to hear that. I went through stages where I would feel guilty, then I would go through periods of forgiveness, but then it would come right back and I'd go back to my guilt. Why is that happening? Because nobody ever told me that it was part of the ever-flowing grace of unconditional love. It's there. So I wasn't seeing it the right way. At the risk of a plot spoiler, I'm going to say something that blew Marsha out of the water. But Marsha, it blew you out of the water because am I accurate in saying that what I'm about to say had always been inside you, you just forgot. And what I'm going to posit is unconditional love is ever-present. It's like the air that we breathe, the water that we drink. A fish is not aware of the fact it's swimming in water. We're not constantly aware that we're walking through air all the time. Unconditional love surrounds us and goes through us. And when we extrapolate the true nature of unconditional love, ladies and gentlemen, there's nothing to forgive. Bingo. Marsha, the first time you heard that, I I could feel Marsha going, what? (laughs) Wait a minute. Wait a minute. That's not what I learned. And I understand it from the heart perspective now. When it's in my heart. And I get to the point where I understand how to love myself unconditionally. I then can pass that on, and the person doesn't even have to say a word. It's done for them already. Because it's in my heart for them already. I can do that. And it's in your heart for you. Yes. Did anybody think that a course titled Pay Me What I'm Worth was going to talk about unconditional love and forgiveness? I had a feeling there was more to the title than meets the eye. That's how I look at everything. I'm not a surface-based individual, so I look for depth in everything because most of the time there is more to things than you see on the surface. Thank you, Chris. I appreciate that. What we're about to get into with steps four and five, savor it. It's impossible to do it wrong. There's no way you can do it right. Just do it. As we get into this whole concept of really immersing ourselves in this forgiveness concept, it opens up the door to letting go of whatever else has been playing in the background. So that as we continue our journey, as we get into chapters 7, 8, 9, and 10, we have even more of a clean and clear awareness of who we are, why are we here, and what are we supposed to be doing. What do you think? Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) Let's go. (laughs) Woohoo. It's time to let go of my resentment, of all my ill feelings with people, of all the things that I thought I was the victim. It's time for me to see that I wasn't the only one with pain. 
the other person might have had pain. Can I see that? Can I offer my unconditional love to them as well? If I can do that, I can do that for myself, then I can do that for anybody else. There's that if again. I keep hearing ifs. (laughs) Sorry. When? (laughs) When? (laughs) I got a caveat on this that I think for myself has totally changed the way I view everything in my own life and in the lives of others. It's this simple. That I always say this, this is how I feel, is that my absolute best gift to myself and everybody else and everything else is my peace. It's my unconditional surrender and acceptance of myself as I am perfect in this moment. That's my best gift, period. That's huge. The gift of coming across a person like David, who is an anchor in a storm, a person like David who I can, when I'm in the middle of all hell breaking loose, and all I need to do is see a smile, a genuine smile from this man walking down the street, and something resets my pin code to go, whoa, let it go. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Right. There's no price I could possibly put on that. It is my dearest wish and dream for all of you. As you come to that point to where you look in the mirror and you smile, And the twinkle in your eye is so bright because the peace that's just literally oozing out of every pore of your body is so genuine. You're busting loose with potential. That's part of our journey together, ladies and gentlemen. Marcia, did we talk about this word? Did we ever talk about this word? Choice. Dirty little secret. (laughs) I tell you a dirty little secret at the very beginning of the book. Do you remember what I said about choice and the dirty little secret? Who remembers what I brought up about that? I can choose to feel good, and if I'm doing something that doesn't feel good, let's say I'm working on an exercise and I start to feel bad, I start to gather up all my stuff or I start to gather my skills together, I look at the ground rule and say I'm not feeling good about this, I can stop. Is that what you're referring to? It's getting there. Ladies and gentlemen, if I choose to listen to my chaos committee, if I choose to feel doubt, guilt, shame, or worry, if I choose to get wrapped up in whatever it is that my ego and my analyzer wants me to get wrapped up in, the noise, the chaos that's created from all of those voices It masks my ability that I can choose otherwise. (laughs) It's a dirty little secret. If I can distract myself with enough doubt, guilt, shame, worry, drama, perfectionism, criticism, judgment, controllers, competitors, if all of those keep me distracted, I forget I have a choice, right? Right. Yep. When you hear that, what's going on for you all? I sure do play a wonderful illusion, don't I? (laughs) Yeah, it's a good game. (laughs) Best virtual reality game ever. (laughs) Woohoo! 
Cheryl? Rick's been telling uh, me for years and years that somebody can tell you whatever they want to tell you. It's all in the way you take it. It's your choice. I feel like when I had a lower self-esteem, I would always choose wrong. I would always choose to take mm -hmm. it that they were degrading me or saying something bad or... Even if it was a compliment. Even sometimes. if it was a compliment. <laughs> so now, since taking this class and everything, I have really grown and yeah. been able to decipher the difference and can accept things better. <laughs> I'd always take it wrong before. And it was my choice. Absolutely my choice. That's part of the wickedness of this wonderful journey, ladies and gentlemen. Whether you choose to step into the exercises, whether you choose to do the work at whatever level, whatever you choose to do, it's your choice. I'm not the one here, or Marsha's not the one here with the whip in the mat. <laughs> nope, nope. <laughs> well, I don't know what you've been doing in the other calls, Marsha. Maybe I should take that back. <laughs> Whoa. My controller at bay, okay? <laughs> Time to close this class. What did you get out of this show? We truly want to know. Simply post in the comment box at the bottom of this page. After hearing so many people experience so many ahas, I wonder. Are you ready to take this class yourself? We start new classes each time we have 12 or more people ready to go. You're listening to Marcia Sortino, Team Seekers, Team Captain. Get in touch to learn how to become one of Pay Me What I'm Worth's paid instructors today. And remember, before you go, think about who else would enjoy our classes. Post this show on your social networking sites to help more people enjoy some weekly wit and wisdom. Aloha. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.